Hi, soulmates. We are going live for another episode of the Sustainable Speaker Series. Today, I am joined by the incredibly inspiring founder of Ethic, Brianne. And this is going to be such a juicy conversation because, you know, the whole evolution of how this company started was out of this problem of the cosmetic industry creating a world of waste. And Brianne took it upon herself to solve this global issue and has pretty much created this global empire that is one of the most successful cosmetic companies that are completely plastic-free, waste-free, vegan, and ethical. And the story is certainly one to follow. So let's get Brianne on straight away so we can have this inspiring conversation. Let's just get her on. Hold on. And we'll also wait for a few people to join us. Hey, Carlo. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hello, hello. You can hear me okay? I can. Thank you so much for joining me. This, I'm so excited. I have so many questions and I'm just such a personal fan of your incredible brand. I, I use the products myself. So I'm excited to get to, you know, share your story and share the journey and, and hopefully inspire some people to make some better choices when it comes to the cosmetic industry. So yeah, let's, let's Ooh, start thank there. You <laughs> let's let's start with you know how how we got to here like where did where did it all begin and and what was the journey like for you well that's a long story but in a nutshell <laughs> um i had, uh, when i first went to university um i to be perfectly honest i didn't want to work for anyone else so i started a couple of businesses and, and long story short started yeah. and sold them and a big part of the reason that I, I sold them so quickly was because I got bored. And I got bored, upon reflection, was because I didn't have any purpose beyond just making money, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so for, I needed something that inspired me to get up in the morning because money is just not my number one driver. So I wanted to create a company that combined a few passions of mine, environmental awareness and, and saving the world, if you like, um, a bit passion for business and a passion for science. So... I was studying university at the time, um, and I knew about, I, I taught myself cosmetic chemistry for a previous business, and it all came together and culminated in the world's most sustainable or a regenerative beauty brand, uh, so a company that produces everything from shampoo bars to solid moisturizers and everything in between, but without the plastic bottles. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I started in my kitchen, and my flat, I had no idea what I was doing, absolutely none. Um, but I, I wanted to save a million plastic bottles by 2020, and I thought that was probably an unachievable goal. But, you know, I was going to give it a crack anyway. And then, um, yeah, we, we hit 10 million plastic bottles by 2020, which was pretty cool. But now that goal is a wee bit bigger at a half a billion by 2030. But amazing. Um, for the first couple of years, it was very much, you know, educating people because these were completely new products in the market. Um, yeah. It was figuring out how to run a startup. It was figuring out how to do any of the products, actually manufacture them and um and look, as we've grown, expanded into 22 different countries and into over 6,500 retailers, it has been a journey. But I have the number one reason for Atik's incredible success is without question being the team. I have the most amazing team of people who are all equally passionate about the same things. Uh, you know, we want to we change the world, we want to make the world a better place. And it's just, it's really cool to, to go to work and, and hang out with people who want to do the same thing. And yeah. Right on. Yeah. I mean, there's so many touch points in that, that my brain is just like, firstly, I, I love your values. You know, we're very similar. I, I think the number one thing that resonates with any brand that is focused on sustainability, it's, it's never a 
like our success isn't based on money it's not how much we make it's how many people we inspire or the impact we have on those around us and the experience the positive experience that people around us have and and I think that's you know that's the success to us and I can really relate to that of you know never wanting to work for anybody else and never being fulfilled until like literally never worked for anybody else um, <laughs> and, and never feeling that like level of fulfillment until you kind of go is my head my heart and you know my passion for you know life aligned with this business every day and, and it's so beautiful because you know, I, I come to work every day and I just feel like I'm, you know, playing with my friends and it's just so much fun and, you know, we're all so aligned and how special. And yeah, I just love hearing that on, on your level. It, it's it's so vital to what a successful company looks like. It, it comes down to people and impact, you know, and purpose. Do you find, um, you know, you've been, doing, you've been doing this for a while. Do you find you would have learned so much, especially with, the teams that you've created like uh, I have so many questions about the brand and I have so many questions you just you just sparked something because I'm, I'm very passionate about consumer psychology and also human behavior and and you know the the people and the culture but I mean what's the biggest challenge you've had building and growing because it, it it's it's an incredible business that you've now sort of created what's that been like actually been a, a practical challenge. I mean, there's the, the typical challenges of getting people to move off a product they're super yeah. familiar with and have been for the last uh, hundred years or so, which is liquid yeah. products, right? Um, and get them to move into a, a, a solid format. But that's, that's fine uh, because it just gives us lots of stuff to talk about, lots of exciting yeah. content yeah. to produce. That's fine. The biggest challenge has actually just been making the product. Um, yeah. We make them very differently to most of the other stuff on the market. So uh, a lot of products are extruded. We make what we call melt cast which yeah. means they're a little bit different uh, in a variety of ways, but it means they're actually a little bit harder to manufacture. So figuring out how to do that at scale and go from, I was making maybe 10 bars a day in my kitchen at home to probably 50 bars a day in the first factory. And yeah. I say that. <laughs> it was a small unit with a warehouse and office and a lab in it. I um, don't understand you. I really... <laughs> Yeah, it's it, figuring out has been difficult. We built our first custom-built factory, um, I think it was in 2016 we moved in. We built this beautiful yeah. new place, uh, and it was going to set us up for five years, and we outgrew it in six months. And wow. we had to figure out how to how to take that next step into sort of the 50,000 bar mark per day. And Did that, do you find really tough. it? Because 2016 was a really pinnacle year for anyone in sustainability, right? It, especially in Australia, like with war on waste. I don't know if you remember what happened, but with ABC and the whole, you know, the country becoming a little bit petrified of, you know, what harm we're doing on the environment. Did you find that impacted your growth or do you think it was just the buildup of everything that you've been working on and it was just the right time? Uh, I mean, how much of this is this timing, right? Um, I think yeah. it was a very good time in general. 2016, I think, is when we saw a lot of movement in general. Uh, yeah. So that was actually when we started expanding, exporting into Australia. Um, in Aotearoa, it's always been a solid environmental focus. Our consumers, New Zealanders, are typically quite yeah. aware of our environment, probably because we're surrounded by such a beautiful abundance of incredible different nature things. Wow, what a stunning sentence. But you mm. get what I mean. Um, and 
I, I did find a shift in people demanding better from us, but other brands around that period of time. And it's just carried on. Yeah. It's been, yeah. I don't want to say it's a trend because trend would say that it's fleeting, but this is a bit of a revolution. Consumers want better from their brands. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, like, let's talk about that for a second, you know, especially just before 2016, I think those few sort of years prior sustainability wasn't necessarily a conversation that everybody felt natural with. Like it was still a very difficult conversation to have with consumers to be like, this is why like, yeah, yeah it's, it's better for your skin. It's better for your health and your body. And there's a lot of that other aspects in terms of health, which is incredibly relevant and important. Like I don't want chemicals. I don't want to put that on my skin, my hair, anything, but then the sustain sustainability aspect, like, did you find, how did you navigate that conversation? How were you having, especially with, if you were having stockists or direct to consumer, I'm like, what was your main barrier? We have always leaded science. Uh, yeah. One of, one of my passions, but also something that the, is, the company is really rooted around is leave with science and explain why. Because sustainability is very rarely a, this is better than that question. Yeah. It, it almost never is. Uh, so we always explained when we were entering into retailers why we make the decision that we made in regards to, say, cardboard packaging or why the bar was square, uh, why, why this is this. And, and people, anybody will understand and resonate with your mission if you explain why you're actually doing it rather than just we're doing this it's a little bit like saying you can do what i've told you to because i told you to i mean it's not really going to resonate as much don't don't run across the road because you'll get run over you know and it, it's, it's simply that and that's how we've always approached education yeah. and how we've got over people not really understanding the idea of a sustainable purchase or conscious consuming yes conscious consumerism uh it's it's always been rather than overstating and trying to greenwash and frighten people into understanding and making better decisions, we've tried to explain the whole piece. And then, yeah, it's sort of, hopefully that leads people to take the journey a little bit further than just cosmetics as well. I always said that a tech is a gateway bar, so people will go on and try, I don't know, the next step will be perhaps, a, a, again, like a reusable cup. Yeah. That's probably yeah. an earlier step, actually, to be fair. But it's true, like I talk about this a lot, especially in this series of conscious consumerism and often than most, the thing that gets the person feeling inspired and actually deeply connected to this whole world is an empowered decision. And an empowered decision comes from authentic education. Like there's no point scaring someone and saying like, if you don't do this, you'll die. <laughs> it's rather, you know, make the right choices for you and your family and be inspired that you're bettering yourself and you're making better decisions and the impact, like, you know, release the serotonin and <laughs> release the dopamine of ticking off something that they've done that's beneficial for the, themselves and those around them. And, and I, I love that, you know, that is the core of your brand as well, like very much so the heart and soul of ethic is that, and, and I very much relate to it, but let's, Let's talk about your products. Let's actually talk about them. Tell me all <laughs> the most boring bit of what we do. I know this. It's not boring. It is. It is sensational, <laughs> and I think I'm so nerdy when it comes to the science of it. And I think it's so important to talk a little bit about it. Um, let's talk about the formulations in terms of you know why they are the way they are and what inspired you to to develop it in in this way. And you know even just from your personal life, like what 
what were the decisions that made you choose certain things and you know let's yeah tell, tell us all the things the shampoo bars uh shampoo get issue was the first thing I, I launched with um and I guess a li- a part, I was a little bit limited back then you know it was almost 10 years ago now of what it is I could actually source yeah and I wanted to there's, there's, a, there's a, obviously a long checklist of open of yes or no's that we have now as to what we will create and why and what we will put in it. But back then it was a little bit of um, all of the research I had done, um, the cosmetic chemistry knowledge and, and what we could source. Um, the number one has always been that these products have to be as good as, if not better than the leading liquid alternative yeah. because people aren't gonna switch onto a sustainable option if the products aren't very good. Most people simply won't buy. And that's, that's fair enough. You know what? Well, I'm not going to buy a product if it's more sustainable, if it's rubbish. And fair. So they yeah. have to be really good. So they are made with exactly the same things you would find in a really solid, <laughs> really good um, salon quality <laughs> shampoo, conditioner, face cleanser or whatever, but they just don't contain the water. So they're a little bit of a nightmare to formulate. They are a little bit difficult for uh, your more traditional cosmetic chemistry company to get their head around. Um, but they are full of ingredients we use a lot of coconut oil we use a lot of cocoa butter we try and use ingredients that are also directly and fairly traded and sourced from the like so our um, coconut oil comes from Samoa from a women's cooperative over there uh, we get our cocoa butter from uh, Ghana again a farmer's cooperative because the cocoa butter industry is full of child labor and trafficking which a lot of people aren't aware of and it's pretty horrendous um so what I guess what I'm saying in terms of formulation is what is more important once you get past it's more important to me is how our purchasing decisions and what we put in our products can actually influence communities around the world in a favorable manner and then how can we use more of those sorts of ingredients if that makes any sense absolutely but it's such a i'm so happy you touched on that aspect of sourcing because you know that level of transparency is so vital in this day and age you know it's really easy as a brand to go i'm sustainable I'm vegan, I'm cruelty-free. Do you actually know that? <laughs> Can you actually certify that? Because it's very easy as a marketing ploy to just say these things. It's like, okay, well, if you are sustainable, in what aspect? Do you know how far that goes? You know, to which sort of element of product development, quality control and manufacturing, are you actually certain that your brand is sustainable? And I love that you talked about, you know, where you're sourcing the ingredients from, because especially food, especially, you know, cocoa, like cacao butter and, and that sort of particular world is deeply corrupt. Um, and having that awareness and that transparency, I think, is what aids in that conscious consumerism. Like, I would much rather buy your product just knowing that I'm not supporting something unethical, even if it was more expensive or if it was, you know, limited in availability or whatever, whatever the consequence is. But I mean, can you touch on that a little bit more? Like how was that journey for you to even just discover that world and, and learn about it? It's always been something I've been aware of. Again, going back to the idea, actually I don't know if I've said it, I say it that much now, I don't even know when I say it anymore. But <laughs> to me, the single fastest the way we will change the world is if we reinvent business to be better for people on planet and not just for the sole benefit of shareholders. The way we have, if you like, bastardized business into being this profit at all costs, we only care about shareholders is bizarre and it shouldn't yeah. be the way business operates. So 
a big way, the, the single biggest way businesses can really positively change the world is if they simply think up their supply chains. And instead of being opaque and full of, again, child labor, child trafficking, and <laughs> most of the time businesses are aware that that's in there, but sometimes it's, a, it's a, you know, we're not looking yeah. over there. Yeah. Um, and I understand why, because it's really, really, really hard to have a clean supply chain. I, I don't want to overestimate that, underestimate that. And I also don't want to say that we are, you know, we are constantly checking and ensuring that what we are doing is right and it's fair and it's kind. I'm not saying that we are perfect in everything we do at all, but we are. We always um, request declarations, for example, from suppliers because certainly yeah. in the last two years we haven't been able to go places and check that what they're doing is the right thing to do. But if you wanted, if you were a startup and you wanted to start in this sort of fair trade direct trade journey, I would just pick one ingredient. Uh, I started with coconut oil, for example, way back in 2014, before really I had a business. Uh, but I, email, I, I, I think I Googled fair trade coconut oil and our <laughs> current supplier popped up. And um, I, I think I sent them an email. I said, hey, I want to buy like a kg of coconut oil a month or something, or maybe even a year. But I'd really like to buy it from you guys because I love what you're doing. Uh, we eventually went over there probably a few months later and met them, understood what they were doing. And uh, we now purchase coconut oil from them by the tonne. Yeah. Tons and tons. So yeah. that has been a really nice relationship. But it's literally come down to the fact I Googled it, had a look, spoke to the people, spoke to the people producing the product itself, ensured that they were paid directly. And that's all it took, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly it's become more formal over the, over the last few years. But those are the kind of things that really do change people's lives outside or certainly more outside the company. Um, and it's not, it's, if you look at it like I have to revamp my entire supply chain, that is an enormous task to undertake. And any, if you go to one of your team and say, I want you to go and just make our, our supply chain perfect, they will run away in tears. So just approach <laughs> it one ingredient or one facet or one piece of packaging at a time, and you'll find out it's actually quite a, a doable process. Yeah, I think that's such a beautiful sentiment. I, I think that's such reasonable, you know, realistic advice because you know, when you're in a startup phase, it's actually much easier to be nimble and to make changes because you're impacting less people, you're impacting less stock or, you know, you're producing less. So when you're in that startup phase, take that advice, be curious, ask questions, do the Google, <laughs> do the research and investigate until you feel satisfied, right? It's like, just don't stop, be that curious investigator. And, and I often say that, you know, it comes up a lot. And, and I think the larger you get, the, the bigger you grow. Obviously, it's much harder, as you said, but one at a time. One small step. No one's perfect. You can't be perfect. It's impossible. There's always going to be things changing around you. You know, you might get it perfect. And then the year later, that factory changes or that manufacturer is impacted. And, you know, there's things internally that, that go on. Everything's circumstantial. So it's having that awareness and that ability to consistently reflect and review and re-engage. And, and like you said, if, it's, if you're able to meet them in person, get over there as often as you can. I think that's such an important aspect of relationships within your business and operating. Um, oh, I love this conversation. I think the <laughs> one, the one mm. proviso there too is make sure it's owned by the community. Um, a lot of well-meaning uh, organizations or whatever are building companies that are owned by New Zealand and uh, they're, they're certainly doing good but they're not as good as if they're owned by 
the local community you're working with. So that'd be a, a piece of advice too. Would be look at the ownership structure and yeah. if there's profit sharing and so on. Yeah, but there is uh, lots of advice on how to do it properly, like fair trade, for example. Mm, uh, it's such a it's such an intricate world, and and I'm so grateful for you to share because I think, especially if if there's anyone out there wanting to start a business like this or currently operating a business that maybe isn't in cosmetics but just anything with like food ingredients it's this is this is the conversation you should be having um you know I'm, I'm so curious to ask you as well just from a personal perspective what has your own sustainability journey been like I'm, i mean within your immediate sort of friends and family and community how, how do you stick out are you the the guru or is everyone around you similar like what has your journey been like i think i'm the person that pours cold water on everyone quite often um <laughs> i try not to but it's because we're like very I was saying earlier that sustainability is not black and white. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> People, I, I mean, I think reusable straws are an interesting example, right? So that video with the turtle, that horrendous video, uh, yeah. it was just awful to watch, came out, and immediately plastic straws were vilified. And, yeah. you know, rightfully so. Unless you need a straw for accessibility, perhaps skip them, right? But now we have created hundreds of millions of units of reusable stores that people typically because behavior change is hard use once maybe twice um, and then forget about that you know in the bottom of your bag or in your kitchen drawer because it's hard to remember to do something like that so that's what i mean when i say decisions to be sustainable are difficult and usually the best thing you can do is nothing at all don't buy it if you don't need it is the single greatest sustainability decision you can make yeah. in regards to my personal journey Double, I yes. to, um, 10 years ago i was I used to be um, black and white about everything uh, in general, actually. I had very little grey in my life. And I have now realised through science degree and then through general life how nuanced everything is. And that's what I mean when I say pour, I pour cold water over things that people say because they'll be um, saying, oh, I, I, I don't know, reusable bags are not a good example um, or a bad example, if you like. You know, we've gone from thin plastic bags that didn't require an awful lot of resources to use Unfortunately, the worst thing would use and we're ending up in the ocean. Obviously, that's a massive issue. But now we've just created thicker plastic bags, <laughs> which use more resources. But again, people forget them. So, yeah, it's 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 a tough one. So I guess in general, I have just learned a don't judge people because you have no idea what they're actually doing and what's actually the best option for them. Uh, yeah. And, and judging people doesn't get people to change their lives anyway. You need to um, encourage and educate. And, um, yeah, so don't judge and life isn't black and white and you, all you can do is provide people the best information at hand and change that as more information, more research is done, really. It's a bit of a, way, a vague answer, but, But yeah. it's, you know, it's true. It's like, you know, often one of the last questions that we sort of roll into is what this piece of wisdom or inspiration that you can leave someone with. And, you know, more often than not, there is no answer. It is, you know... Uh, especially for me, the, the number one piece of advice I always give is if you can have a small moment of awareness in the moments that you're purchasing, you won't believe the long lasting impact and positive consequences that you can have on the world around you. So just that one moment before you go and buy something, before you choose that item, that product, just have that thought, do I need this? Do I already have it at home? Is it necessary? Is there another version of it that maybe is better? Just that that mindset shift and that a little bit of awareness, it, it just will transcend into an entire 
you know, change of behavior over time. And I think that's where we begin, right? I think that's the best place to start. Yeah, just having a think about your purchasing decisions and just remembering that everything we make comes from the world around us. How incredible and beautiful and awe-inspiring is our planet, right? Everything we make has to come from that and is a resource largely used once. And once you, I, I guess, associate the two, it's, to me, that is when my, your mind shift, mindset changes and you start to seriously think about what it is you use every day. The other piece of uh, the side of that, of course, is consumer guilt is useless. And yep. putting all of this on the consumer and making it up to our individual decisions that make all the difference is not true. Yes, our purchasing decisions en masse make a difference without question. And, you know, the more conscious consumerism, the better. But business got us into this. Business got us into this mess, into these environmental crises, into the climate crisis. And it is business's obligation and responsibility to fix it. That's right. And unfortunately, that typically only comes about from consumer demand. So the best thing you can do as a consumer is ask your brand, why aren't you doing better? Why aren't you doing this? Why, have you, why are you doing this? Uh, what is your answer to this question? You know, uh, and in a polite way, in a non-confrontational kind way, because again, you're not going to create change by being horrible. But just ask them why they're making the decisions they're making. They may have a perfectly valid reason. But if we put that pressure on our brands, we are going to see business at large change because if they don't change, these dinosaurs where money is the only measure of success, they will go out of business and they will. They absolutely will. And that's what we need to, that's what we need to do in the long run because the system that currently stands is not a sustainable one. That's right. And look, as you said, regenerative. Exactly. It's a two-way street. And again, it, this comes up almost every single conversation, right? I always touch on this point where it's number one, it's the accountability and responsibility of the brand owner. If you're running a business, it is your responsibility to make the better choices and to be conscious in your decision-making. And then it's voting with your dollar as a consumer. Every time you spend money, you vote for consumer demand. You say yes for that company to continue doing their business the way they're doing it. And how we intervene is with curiosity and with authentic and transparent education. And, you know, the more we can enforce brands to have to openly show, you know, actually talk about what, what is going on, I think the quicker change will be made internally because no one wants to look like the bad guy because that's how the business fails. And then from a consumer point of view, we're giving them empowerment to choose who's, you know, who sticks around. And I think, I think there's a fine balance between the two, but, you know, it needs to be, needs to be talked about more. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Carbon Footprint's a good example. It was, you know, co-opted as a, I think it was either, I don't know, it was one of the big oil companies. I think it might have been BP as a way to make consumers take responsibility for carbon footprint as opposed to the fact that they literally <laughs> pull fossil fuels out of the ground. Yeah. It is a two-way street. Uh, well, just from a brand perspective, just to sort of like wrap things up in, in a, a light note, if, if you could pick three products from your range that you think are <laughs> really great starting points, like for someone who maybe has never experienced um, this type of shampoo or conditioner or these sort of cosmetic 
products like where as a beginner would you start what are like the best products to start with to fall in love I, I thought you were gonna ask me my favorite but it's always so hard because like I don't know my favorite child they're all good um <laughs> uh, okay a lot I, I often point people towards shampoo and conditioner as like a gateway product if you like because to me washing my hair with a bar and conditioning with a bar was intuitive but over the last few years, I've realized that that's not necessarily true. So if you're, if you're game, um, give a shampoo bar a try. Um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Again, it's just shampoo without the water and out, without the plastic bottle. Uh, something that some people find a little bit more uh, appealing for their first sort of dipping their toe into the water is a face cleansing bar because some people, or a lot of people have at some point in time used um, a solid bar cleanser because they're quite common. Again, not a bar of soap. So there is where I start with the more typical be cleansing products so they, they wash off um, just a little bit easier to use. Uh, it's when we get into the more unusual products like solid moisturizers, solid face creams and stuff, that's where people sort of be like, oh, that's weird. How does that work? And that's where the more questions come in. But if you've already tried a product and loved it, you're more likely to, to stick with it. So mm -hmm. start with a shampoo bar or a face cleanser, depending on where you want to go. Yeah. Very accessible. I can definitely say they're incredible. I've personally used them and use them. Um, definitely a beautiful place to start. So I'm just so grateful for your time. I, I could talk to you and ask you so many more questions, but I'm conscious that we've only got you for a short bit. But I'm so grateful. And please, we'll leave your website and all the information. If anyone is interested in exploring the range, please do. It is such a beautiful way to begin your sustainable journey if you haven't already in the cosmetic industry. But Rianne, thank you so much for building this amazing brand and for spending some time with me. And I hope we can keep talking. Awesome. It was lovely to speak with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much.